In the world of business, profit is everything. Those that are not profitable are condemned from memory. And the most important business of all is watching anime. Welcome back to the Weekly Anime Performance Review, the show where we review the performance of anime weekly. Imagine that. We are your three high-powered anime business executives. I am John, your back-in-the-job CEO of Weaves. I am Chris, and that's a bad ending. And I'm Andrew, CEO of Picking Up on what you thought was a funny joke, but it's actually a whole plotline. All right, we are now down to eight shows this week because you, the audience, voted to fire 86, uh, meaning that uh, Don't Toy With Me Nagatoro-san is uh, still alive for another week. And guess what's on the docket first now that we've fired the first two shows alphabetically? (laughs) It's Don't Toy With Me Nagatoro-san. In this episode, we got... Hand washing and bean buns and another attempt at drawing Nagatoro. Uh, I don't know. There comes a point where, like, every time I try to watch an etchy show, where there's like one moment where, like, okay, all yeah. right, that's it. Yeah. And it it was the it was the cold open of this episode when they were washing their hands for me. Like, I don't know. The visual <laughs> metaphor was a bit much. I didn't mind that. It's just the problem is every joke here is, oh, let's tease Senpai and then haha, he reacts. So funny, haha. I think for me, I realized that the parts of the show that I really enjoy are the parts that aren't the etchy parts. Yeah. But 90% of this show is etchy. Mm-hmm. Like, I really enjoy the other 10%. It's just. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I agree. And like this this episode had two very etchier segments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the second one didn't need to be as etchy as it was. With the drawing. Yeah. Well, and the problem is we've already made all these jokes. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's we already had, oh, Senpai tries to draw Nakatoro and can't, yeah. or whatever. Oh, but she said she liked the drawing this time, so it's completely different. I think she... I think she liked it the first time. She just still made fun of it. Maybe so. But And I think the her liking it might be that she is trying to get Senpai to get better at his art. And and so that's why she wants him to draw her. I mean, just... Like, the thing is... There's only so many times you can do... Like... Even the bean bun mm-hmm. bit. It just felt like it was the same joke over and over. The yeah. bean bun bit. And it was very similar to the um, nipple bit, almost. Yeah. But, like, of the, <laughs> oh, Senpai's gonna grab her boob. Yeah. That was the joke. Mm-hmm. That's not a fun joke. Not really. 
Yeah. I don't know. No hate to those that like this one, but it's really not doing it for me. I think the best part about the bean bun bit was the ad break cards. Yeah. <laughs> of him buying bean buns from the store. Yeah, yeah that was pretty funny. Like, I'll give him that. I liked the bit when like compliment each other. I thought that was nice. Yeah. The parts that are almost emotional are good. Like they have some good emotional beats of two people who you know, building this relationship with each other, but then mm. they do haha he grabbed her boob. And it's like, okay then. I think we're just talking in circles. I'm gonna fire. I, I don't think that we have much more to say on this one. We've been trying to fire it since the first episode of the season. I'm voting to fire again. I'm firing. So it's a triple fire for Don't Tie With Me, Nagatoro-san. Next up on the list is Joran, the princess of snow and blood. In this episode, Janome is gone, but now Sukichiro is providing weapons to anti-government forces. So Yukimura's job isn't over. Elena gets pregnant and gets permission to leave the organization. She and Yukimura do one last job, and Yukimura finds herself lost without the motivation of vengeance for her family. Elena and her boyfriend are killed, and Yukimura intentionally takes poison given to Asahi by Tsukichiro. A lot of stuff happened this episode, and I just really didn't care about any of it. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is, when you, four episodes and kill the big bad guys, then you need to immediately replace it with something, or if not, you need... Like, you need a reason for why should we care about these characters' journeys. Yeah, like, I think part of that is that this episode was, felt like a lot about, move. it was supposed to be about moving on when, from something when there's a change. Like, you have Elena getting pregnant and trying to leave the organization. You have uh, Yukimura uh, thinking, I got my revenge, what do I do now? I just feel like we didn't get enough time with them beforehand to have a good sense of what their life before this change was really like. Right. And yeah, like, this, this feels like a setup for season two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the problem is that this show, it's hard to classify what genre it is. Um, okay, he's leaving again. Um, but it's it's like, I feel like it's almost in that shonen action-y genre but then they have an episode like this where they want it to be completely carried by their characters and it's like well I mean shonen drama doesn't doesn't preclude it from having strong characters no but four episodes in you can't expect mm. the audience to be attached to a character as if that's kind of the genre you're going for I feel and also I feel like the twist is practically self-evident at this point That, that, you know, Gene is the real bad guy. Because, like, in the OP, there's a shot of him, like, standing over the burning house with blood dripping off his sword, and the blood turns blue as it drips off his sword. And, like, oh, yeah, subtle. Well, Tsukishiro, I think, came back because Yukimura was still alive. I think Tsukishiro was just... They're now in charge of the evil organization. Is what it seemed like. Yeah. They say evil organization. I I think they're both evil. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody is cool in this series in terms of like morality. Which is fine. I just I feel like they 
I feel like this show is something where it requires a bit more knowledge to really un- of Japanese history to really get what the setting is because as someone who doesn't know that much I feel like they haven't really done a whole lot to exposit what this world is like now. I kind of get it but not really. I can't say I'm like a master of modern Japanese history. Because I think what the issue is, is that we don't know why people would want to support the shogunate while they're telling all we've basically just been told that the shogunate is good, which might be the point. I think it's because um, the people in power want to stay in power. And so Mm -hmm. they're trying to convince other people that, hey, this is a good regime and stuff. But they don't give evidence. No, but that's because they're not trying to convince any of the characters that we care about. Yeah, all the none of these characters are like ideologically devoted to the regime, really. Except for Sukishiro, who is against the regime already, and we already know that. I don't know. It's it's uh, it just lost so much momentum when John Ome died. Uh, I'm going to have to vote to fire just because that was a really frustrating decision, in my opinion. I'm also voting to fire. I'm going to vote to retain for two reasons. One, to make sure that something else gets fired. (laughs) And two, because I think this is just kind of a transition episode, and next episode I do hope it's going to pick up. Because I've been enjoying this so far. This is this is two episodes in a row for me. Yeah, that's fair. But I enjoyed last episode, so, you know. That is two fires for Joran, the princess of snow and blood. Next up on the list is Odd Taxi. In this episode, the life story of Tanaka, the cat who dropped his phone when Odokawa flew by last episode. He was completely obsessed with getting a certain gacha drop, and his cockatiel dies the same day. When he goes to bury his bird, he finds the gun hidden in the park by Dobu and resolves to kill the cabbie who caused him to drop his phone. Jeez, this was a this is a hard episode to watch. It was that was very, very depressing. And I know we we saw the the fancy eraser that he was supposed to get at some point. Who had it? Um, it was the nurse had it and gave it to Otokawa. That's right. Is she ditch one one? I do like that in Japanese it's Dichi Ichi Ichi. Yeah. I think that's why it's yeah. Yeah, it's a fun username. Mm-hmm. I I think we know who Ditch One One is. It's definitely some character that we know. Yeah. Right. We just don't know who it is necessarily yet. Mm-hmm. Cause this but... show is all about like a web of characters that all kind of are familiar with each other to some extent. Mm-hmm. It's like I said before, it's like Durara. They take an episode to explore the backstory of a character we've only met like once or twice. Well, that's exactly what this episode <laughs> was. This this whole episode was uh, narrated by Ta- by Tanaka, who had like one line in last episode. Didn't um the nurse, wasn't there a scene where she was talking to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the nurse did mention Zuden before. Yeah. She so did. she could be more kingpinny than we know. 
or at least she's or at least she's ditch 11 possibly so what happens when tanaka finds out that odokawa has the eraser too probably gonna try and kill him more i'm he's going to kill him even harder or try yeah i am going to kill you and then i'm going to kill you again but he did manage to see odokawa's license plate number he's definitely on the prowl now yeah he has a kind of like weird conversation with um half of the homo sapiens i don't remember which one i don't do they have individual names they do so it's like we're still in this web of people. Mm-hmm. My problem is that why should I care about this guy? If that makes sense. Like, I, I get know. that he's going to be a big player, but you know. I think that this is kind of a thing where, like, it's all just about people interacting, like, and how, like, the web of relationships that form in, like, a big city. So I'm fine with it. And also, just this episode was really good on its own merits. Like, if we'd stopped the plot and this episode had been complete bullshit, I would have been mad. But this episode was good, so I don't really mind at all. I don't know. I, I, I was way into it, and I'm, I'm really interested to see what role Tanaka plays in all this. And, you know, and then now we already, like, even though he hasn't met Dobu yet, this is mixed Dobu into it as well, because he has Dobu's gun now. Dobu's going to come back for it eventually. It's not going to be there. So this is all this is all really interesting, and I, I can see how it's going to change things, or I can kind of imagine how it will. I'm very excited about it. I did. It was, it, it, and it was, it was very interesting because it kind of rode the line between funny and sad for how for how badly he kind of messed up his life, both to the both as a kid and an adult. Because he'd be, he'd be like, it was like getting stabbed five thousand times. That was a lie and an exaggeration. <laughs> I, I also like that he's trying to get a dodo so badly. Yeah, it's kind of this running theme of like he wants the dodo eraser and then he wants the he gets a bird and then he wants the dodo from this like gotcha game and it's like I'm sure he's like something about like oh it's because it's extinct and something 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 I don't know. I think it's interesting. Too big to fly. Dodo ugly, so Dodo must die. I vote to retain. I'm also going to retain. I'm retaining as well. All right. That is three retains for Odd Taxi. Next up on the list is Osamake. Uh, In this episode, the big cultural festival comes around. Kachi reveals to Mara that she was Shiro, and she asks him to call her Shiro. Shiro and Kuro make their rivalry even more obvious. Kuro tells Maru that she's clearly over it, but clearly isn't. At the confession ceremony, Maru actually confesses to Kuro instead of Shiro, who rejects him out of spite and regrets it immediately. Uh, okay, uh, point of order, what the fuck were those dance moves? Jesus. They were awful. (laughs) They were just, like, jumping around like gorillas. Yeah. And it's funny because the band was super well animated. Well, maybe that that might have been the point is that, like, they're not good dancers. It's just the fact that they're so into it. Everyone else is just like, hell yeah. That might be it. That might be what they were going for. (laughs) But otherwise, damn, they're just bad dancers. Yeah. 
Yeah, also it was like... What did Shiro write for him? I, what what I was all that? This was all like an elaborate stage play that she wrote for both Abe and Haru and Maru. Yeah, maybe. I I thought it was supposed to be the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I thought it was like some acting something or other. Like this was not that. Unless it's like super method. <laughs> I think what probably happened was. The pl- they kind of threw out the the plane out the window and were like, we're just gonna upstage Abe's confession. <laughs> I was I was chatting with a listener last night, Ooh. and he hated this episode. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, he thought that this was basically like an end to the show. Well, I mean, it's probably the end of the first light novel. Yeah, it probably yeah. is. I think what this has done now is this has gotten rid of their past notions and they've all gotten the revenge they wanted or attempted to. Mm-hmm. And so now they're able to actually move forward with the I don't know if plot's the right word, but like the shenanigans of trying to get together. I I, I admit that I wasn't really expecting uh that confession until until he actually started his speech at the end. Also talk about that what a pressure ass ceremony. Like you can, you get up on stage and confess to someone, and they put a freaking spotlight on them and hold a mic up to them. I mean, at least when you propose at a ballpark, you're already in a relationship with one another. Yeah, and theoretically, you've talked about it beforehand. I feel like this episode really needed another. Like we needed another episode before getting this. Like, I don't think this feeling like it should be the end of the series is necessarily a bad thing, but I think it didn't do that good of a job. Really, like, it doesn't feel earned that uh, Haru is now in love with Kudo. It just kind of feels like it happens because it does. Yeah. Right. Like, the whole show has been like, gosh, get off me, you gross person. Ew. (laughs) And, like, like they're, they're a little old to be that kind of relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, it does come a little out of nowhere. Like, he also, he wasn't as rude as you made him sound, but... Yeah. There wasn't really any bonding moment between him and Kudo that would, that you could point back to and be like, oh, yes, that's why he's going to do it. It's just, he's in love with her because it's subversive. Honestly, I just really want the show to reach the next phase, which is just Kuro and Shiro doing various zany schemes. And that's probably next episode. Yeah. But right. I'm really hoping that Maru stops being the main character and it becomes about the two of theirs rivalry. Yeah. I think that's way more interesting of a dynamic. And of how they both feel like they have a claim to him already. Yeah. And then we have a third character coming in. In the... Was it post-credits or right before the credits? I, I think don't post-credits. Yeah. But, like, she refers to him as Onichan, so... I don't know what that is about. Or, no, I looked this up in the PV because it calls her the ideal little sister. They're not actually related. Okay, so she's just a weirdo. She's one of those just weird anime characters that calls people Onichan for no reason. I mean, there's a reason for it. Was she, like, on a show with him at some point or something? I I think so. But. Ah, so she's extremely method. 
keep playing the character even after the show is over. Or he was kind of like her mentor sorts on that show. And so maybe that could be it as well. I wonder if it's the same show where his mom acted so hard she died. Probably. I mean, that's kind of the only show he was in, right? Well, like that was like the sequel to the first show he was in. Like you can be in a TV show and do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he was he was also in historical drama with uh, Abe's dad. And Abe's like, I just got involved in all this to get him back into acting. <laughs> He's the real galaxy brain genius. Yeah, I do like how everyone has galaxy brain plans, but they just overcomplicate things and make them worse for themselves. Like, I like that aspect of the show. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. It's very funny. If they were just honest with themselves, at least two of them could have had a happy ending. But no, we have to get back at them. I'm going to retain this show. I'm also retaining. A, I'm probably, I'd probably keep watching it even if it did get fired. And B, there are other shows that I'd rather stop watching than this one. <laughs> we're all gunning for one show in particular, I think. <laughs> I'm also going to retain. I'm I'm enjoying this one still. Yeah. I'm retaining as well. Yeah. Uh that is three retains for Osamake. Next up on the list is uh let's see if I can remember it this time. Super Samurai Cyber Squad? <laughs> Yomagi and Koyomi experiment with trying to combine their parts of Dinazenon. Chisei wins tickets to the pool, so Team Dinazenon goes, along with Sizumu, ostensibly to capture him. Yomuki and Yume are still awkward around each other, and the place brings up some uncomfortable memories to Yume. A kaiju appears and gets dispatched, and Yume gets new info from another alumnus about her sister. Um, okay, first of all, the the churro. I was dying laughing the whole time that shot was on screen. Just because it was so awkward. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's like uh, it's like the elevator scene from Evangelion, but played for the complete opposite effect. It was so funny. <laughs> He's just like, churro? And she's just like, yep. And I've had those conversations. I definitely have too. Well, and I thought it was good because um, Gamma was just like, hey, y'all two pretend to date. Which, like, why did they need to even do that? Um, and so then the whole time... Yumogi was like freaking out about it. And then Yume was um also having an interesting time at the water park because trauma. Oh yeah, this sorry, I said pool in my summary, but yes, this is the rare water park episode. I know. The rare version of the beach episode. I think the in Japanese they call the water park pool. Yeah, it seems that way. But it's definitely a water park in the American sense of the term. Yeah. yeah. They got a lazy river and shit. And big slides. Um, one thing I thought was weird was why were was Yume wearing jean shorts and then the other guy was wearing a hoodie in the pool, like in the water. I don't think did you ever see Suzumu get in the water in his hoodie. I don't think so. They were in the hot tub sauna area. I don't think he cares. Uh, he went on the water slide. It like, could also just be like a waterproof hoodie. And some people wear jean shorts in the pool or something like that. Yeah, I guess that's not as weird. Also, important something to note is that uh, Chisei still had her, like, arm sleeve on. Yes. She's hiding something. Tattoo? 
secret eugenicist, like John was saying last week. I don't think she is yet. I think they're going to recruit her. But, I mean, she could already be involved with them, for all I know. She could be, like, an imposter that did something with the real Chase or I, I don't think know. it could more have to do with, like, a scar from her backstory or something. Because we really don't know much about her and Koyomi yet. Yeah. Not really. I, th- I felt like the kaiju fight was a bit tacked on in this episode, and I think I felt that last week, too. But by the same token, I realized that this is a lot more, like, Saturday morning cartoon than a lot of stuff we watch. It's not fully that, but it's just the kind of thing that kind of obligates an action scene in every episode. Yeah. Uh, the song that played over the action scene in this episode ripped, though. They've played it before. I know, but I like I noticed it for the first time in this episode and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I also really like the running gag of the one eugenicist almost getting killed by debris every time. <laughs> I do he, like and he's like bit. the one of them that doesn't act like a normal swell guy most of the time. Yeah. Cause I like how everyone else is just like, yep, we're done here. Let's go back to the pool. <laughs> yeah. Well, like all the rest of them are just like nice. They're just like, hey, let's hang out. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because the bad guys in this aren't like Saturday morning cartoon bad guys. You know, like when watching Mm -hmm. um, Pokemon, even like Team Rocket is the bad guys, you know, like. Yeah. But they play up that fact and like Mm -hmm. in this, it's kind of the same thing of like, they're not evil or they're night. They're nice and cordial, but they might be evil might be the proper thing to say. But their ideology is abhorrent. It's what they want to do is fulfill the wish of the kaiju, which kaiju are built off negative emotions of humans. But we don't really know what all that means. Oh, well, the way they talk about it, like, oh, people are held back by all this stuff. This is going to sound really nerdy, uh, but they sound like sternerists, which is a complete meme ideology. You're going to have to explain that more, John. Okay, uh, so Max Stirner was a uh, philosopher who wrote a book called The Ego and His Own, where he literally argued that you should be able to do whatever you want with literally absolutely no restrictions whatsoever. And anything that restricts you from doing whatever you want at any time whatsoever is always bad. A lot of people think he wrote it as a joke. But I don't know. When I hear them saying, oh, all this stuff is keeping people from being free, it just reminds me of that, even though I don't think that's necessarily what they're going for. Yeah, I don't think it is. I honestly feel like it might even just turn out that they're not really evil. They're just forcing, they're just forced into conflict for some reason. Possibly because it's a TV show. Like, not in like the meta sense, but in like, the show is meta. I mean, uh, Gridman got a little meta, so I wouldn't be shocked if it's like, they turn out to just actually be in like a TV show or something. Yeah. And like the eugenicists know, and maybe Galma knows, but he doesn't want to tell his team. One thing that we haven't gotten that I'm interested in is we haven't had much of the public's reaction to like the Kaiju and Dinozino and stuff. Like we haven't seen Yumoki's friends react to it and stuff like that, really. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, in Gridman, there was a big plot point that everybody forgot about the kaiju and Gridman after each fight. 
It's, it's explicitly stated that they haven't because they went to go see the destruction. I need a secret man at some point. It's pretty good. Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, the OP slaps. Oh, speaking of the OP, I'm pretty sure the Gridman OP was like the like elevator style music in the cafe they were in in this episode. I thought I recognized it from somewhere. Definitely a feature of the Gridman universe is them uh, referencing past works by Trigger and Gynax. That's just a trigger thing. It is also just a trigger thing. Yeah. The secret is that this is all a show within the world of Inferno Cop. Yeah, I'm enjoying this show. I'm gonna retain. I'm gonna retain. I'm retaining as well. In this episode of Super Cub, Reiko goes on a long trip for summer vacation, so Koguma takes a job delivering documents from her school to another. Over that time, she buys some rain gear and learns to change her oil. At the end of the time, Reiko comes home and invites Koguma over. She has an actual honest-to-God friend. I, that made me happy. Uh, this is, again, this show is still a very slow burn, but it's very pretty. I, it's, I don't know. It's a vibe. It's comfy. I feel like it's not really a slow burn because there's nothing it's really burning towards. Right. That's kind of true. I mean, that's not the right word. I don't know what word I'm looking for here. It's just very slice of life. It's a vibe. Like, yeah. Like you just turn it on and chill for 24 minutes. And, like, I've never bit considered myself someone who would be like, yeah, I would ride a motorcycle, but something like that, that would be very fun Same. to ride. It just looks like fun. Which, given the fact that I, I'm starting to realize that this is all advertising by Honda, makes sense. Is this uh, sponsored because, by Honda at all? Well, I mean, it's got the Honda logo all over it. But they can license the logo. Right. Well, then the then the guy's like, oh, you should buy Honda motor oil. It's the best. <laughs> well, maybe that's because that's the only license they have. <laughs> yeah. And it could also just be that the the um, whoever wrote this is just a big Honda shell. And so they're like, hey, <laughs> do the Honda oil. On one hand, I'm surprised that we've only met two of the three girls in the OP. But on the other hand, I'm not because really it's just focused on Koguma and like her enjoying her motorcycle yeah i i don't know I'm, ha I'm happy to see them hanging out in the next episode i'm looking forward to that yeah yeah a couple of you know stuff that we've talked about before but like there was no music until she was on her bike delivering the papers and when she actually finally delivered the papers and was less nervous about it everything came in color again instead of being all washed out mm -hmm. yeah the show uses color a lot like it, like we haven't really mentioned it since the first episode, I don't think. But like, every episode has had stuff where it goes back and forth between the saturated and desaturated look. And I did like how one time it rained during your trip, and so then immediately she went and bought like a raincoat and stuff. And so then they showed her putting it on right before it started raining and stuff. And so I just thought that's nice. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like there's another episode of this show where we don't really have a whole lot to say about it, but we're all still really into it. Anyways, I'm going to retain. I'm also retaining. I, too, am retaining. That is three retains for Super Cub. Next up is those Snow White notes. 
The school shamisen club gets started towards Setsu's mom's competition, with the addition of the guy he met at the shrine last episode. Umeko comes by Setsu's place again and fights him for not entering the individual division. Kamiki Seiryu shows up and gets, gives Setsu a taste of the feeling of being pulled along by someone else's performance. This episode was pretty funny, I thought. Like, a lot of stuff went on between, you know, Setsu trying to be a teacher for the first time, his mom grappling him to the floor when Kamiki Seiryu shows up and the, the new guy's like, oh no, he's hot! It wasn't, oh no, he's hot. It's like, oh no, he's hot. I like him, the, the new guy. I can't remember his name, though. What I did like was that, um, like, we had Setsu trying to teach him, and he was getting frustrated, but he was frustrated at himself because he couldn't teach them well enough. Like, I did like that he wasn't mad at them because they were beginners, you know? Like, he, it kind of came off to them that he was frustrated with them, but internally we saw that it was at himself. And I do, I did like how, um, every time Setsu plays Spring Dawn or something, is that what it is? Shungyo? Yeah. Uh, every time he plays that, it's a bit different because he doesn't, he can't read sheet music, which is also a funny bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, plenty but of great he, musicians can't read sheet music. Right, but he just plays it however he feels, and so, like, he doesn't have a set way to play it, and I think that's part of what makes this good, because playing with someone else, he was forced into playing a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, he is very much, like, uh, <laughs> he he really can't play if he's not in the mood for it, is what uh, Seiryu noticed. So Seiryu's like, I'm gonna force you to. Being in the mood is for cattle and love play. Uh, I like this episode. Yeah. I, I feel like nothing is wasted in this in this show. Like, every performance has a point. Yeah. There ne there's never a performance just to have a performance. And even though we've heard the same song, like, 20 times by now, it's still fun every time. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like, a, I don't think that's a bad thing, necessarily. Like, well, they change it every time. They weren't playing the song that his grandpa played. No, I don't think. they're playing the piece that they're going to play for the competition. Uh, and, you know, it reminds me of a bit of Sound Euphonium, where they like work on a piece for a whole season and then finally perform it at the end. I I, I hope we get more of him teaching them because that's that is really fun. Yeah, this show turned out to be way more of a comedy than I think it initially led on. Yeah. Uh, like the first episode was way more dramatic than the rest of the show. I felt like. I don't know. I feel like looking back, it really wasn't. Yeah, yeah. The setup is very dramatic, but the actual first episode was more similar in tone to the rest of the show that I maybe gave it credit for. I also like how they had the two, like the two people who were just kind of drafted into the club, are still committed to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Then they really were kind of drafted into it, weren't they? Yeah. And I'm really glad they sidestepped the whole, oh, you need five people to enter and just had them be like, oh, yeah, there, there's a fifth person who signed up also. Yeah. I really wish I remembered his name. I feel bad because I like yeah. him a lot. <laughs> I think the teacher, because the teacher said something like, hey, guys. That's not a problem because we have this. And then immediately after they were like, but we don't have any shamisens. And she's like, hey guys, that's not a problem because I rented some. I thought they already had the shamisens. Maybe. 
but like she did the same thing back to back and i just thought Mm. that was funny she's getting she's getting kamiki serio's old shamisen repaired Mm -hmm. uh currently i like how the teacher just has a crush on him (laughs) like that's the whole reason she's involved with the club pretty much but I did like how, um, I don't know when exactly it was, but it showed everyone practicing at home. So, like, these, the extra characters are still, like, they're not just here because they have to be, but, like, they want to learn the shamisen, you know, and they have been inspired and stuff. So I think that's fun. Yeah. Joke's on the teacher. Kamiki Serio is too in love with that one shamisen that he has in his apartment. <laughs> like, actually, though? <laughs> Like he he stares at it and calls it beautiful. He's he's like Yoshikage Kira with with shami sense instead of hands. Yeah, uh, so probably more well adjusted than Yoshikage Kira. What a beautiful retain! I shall also retain. I'm retaining as well. All right, that just leaves to your eternity. In this episode, March's adopted sister escapes her capture when Oniguma attacks her captors. March gives the orb the name Fuchan, but is captured again and goes willingly to her death. Her sister makes a failed attempt to rescue her, but Fu happens to arrive and returns to wolf form, laying waste to the large bear. The oppressors of March's village decide that they need to take all of the people involved to the city of Yanome. Okay, I was really thinking that Fu was going to turn into the bear. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, he might turn into a bear later now that he's killed it. Right. Because he was doing this weird vibrating thing where I thought, oh, he's absorbing his emotions or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could be. He, I think he'll do it later, probably. Probably. We also got the wolf saying arigato. Yeah, we got we got speech from Fu, but in wolf form, not man form. I mean, we, we had, I feel like in the first episode, we had something that was very close to a word. Mm-hmm. When he was initially the wolf with the yes. boy? Yes. I thought this was a good episode and it's setting up some of our cast of characters and like... Yeah. I thought yeah. It, this was a good one. Because I don't... I think it's probably less episodic than we initially thought it was. Yeah, that's right. what I was saying last week. It's like, I was expecting them both to die and then we move on to the next bit or something. Yeah, and so... And they're also like featured on the art. Yeah. I also I didn't realize that Yanome was a city and not a person until the uh, until the next episode preview. Yeah. Yeah, that it's where the capture lady is from. Yeah. It's probably like the capital kind of so to speak. Probably. Yeah. I don't know if capital's the right word cuz I don't know if they're actually a country, but which is interesting because I I didn't realize that there was that level of civilization in this world. I think it's like a fantasy mixture of medieval and tribal. I, I, my thought was that it's some sort of antediluvian world. Basically, like, you know, it's supposed to be Earth, but, like, before some cataclysm rearranged all the continents to their modern form. Probably the most famous example is Middle-Earth from Tolkien's stuff. It could be. Yeah. Because it still feels pretty grounded, except for the giant bears. Yeah. But even then, you could argue that something like that could... I don't know if evolve is the right word, but, like, come about. Because the bear does have spines on it, but, like, that's not... Out of the realm of possibility of it existing, maybe. I get. I think those are supposed to be like branches that have been stabbed into it. It just kind of gets caught on. Yeah, maybe. 
And I could also see that the bear isn't actually that big in canon. It's just drawn that big to seem more intimidating. I am into this one. It's very, very cool. I think we can all agree about that, right? Yeah. Right. I did like also how March was not scared of the wolf that just caroled the giant bear. <laughs> yep. I think she saw him transform, right? No, March was asleep. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I guess she didn't realize that it was the same. Until guy. he said arigato. She's just very innocent, I guess. Like, naive might be the better word. You know, she, she doesn't know that an animal could hurt you yet. So, you know, she sees a wolf and she's like, oh, it's a fun doggy. Fair enough. I, I would, I mean, I know some people that would do the same. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very excited to see them in the city of Yanome because I'm I'm excited to see how, you know, Fu in particular reacts to being in a city. Yeah. Because he's right, all about yeah. he's all about trying to absorb new experiences and like going to a big city after being from the ice wilderness is about as big a change as you can get. But also from what it he- seems sounds like he's going to be like captured and held prisoner. So who knows? I'm enjoying this one. And it's obviously it's also just gorgeous. It's one of the better shows we're watching this season in terms of aesthetics. Uh, so I am going to vote to retain. I too will retain. I'm retaining as well. You just said so. I'm like, um, John. That means that the only thing that was uh, triple fired this week was "Don't toy with me, Miss Nagatoro." So that means it is out for the season. We don't even have to rely on a uh, poll this week. Uh, so be sure to join us next week when we'll be down to seven shows. Uh, I look forward to it. Do you have anything else? Oh, yes. You can be sure to follow us uh, on Twitter at Wappercast for updates and occasional funnies about the show. Uh, and very soon, on the 14th, we'll be putting out our episode on the uh, Ghibli movies Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, So look out for that. It'll be a good one. Uh, I believe that's what we got. So I've been John. You're back in the job CEO of Weebs. I've been Chris, and what a terrible ending. And I've been Andrew, CEO of picking up on what you thought was the funny joke, but it's actually a whole plotline. Beep boop. Ravioli.